Welcome to another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast from Strong Towns. This is a special Strongest Town contest episode featuring a competitor in the final four rounds of our competition. So it's my pleasure to welcome representatives from Bentonville, Arkansas, Tyler Overstreet and Shelly Kerr. Welcome guys. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, we're really excited to be here. So could we start just by hearing a little bit about each of you and uh, what brings you here today and maybe how long you've lived in, uh, in Bentonville as well. Shelly, let's start with you. Okay. I have been in uh, Northwest Arkansas for almost 21 years now, and I've been with the city of Bentonville for 18 years, uh, serving primarily in the long range planning side of the city of Bentonville. And Tyler Overstreet, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, uh, so I am the City of Bentonville's Planning Services Manager, so I'm more over the current planning and development side of Bentonville, so much of the growth we're seeing when it comes to, you know, everything from large-scale developments down to preliminary plats and lot splits, I, I oversee that side and that team. I've been with the City of Bentonville now for three years um, and have been a professional planner for six years. Gotcha. And um, how long have you been in Bentonville? I'm originally from Southwest Missouri, so I've been in Bentonville for three years as well. Well, it's great to have you both. Tell us about how your community has adapted to the serious economic and, and community challenges of the last year during the pandemic. Maybe, Tyler, we could start with you. You know, we've taken a number of steps to to help out our local small business community. I'll start there. So a couple of things we've done is um, we saw a need and it was kind of brought to our attention actually to, to allow for outdoor dining. So we've always had a, a sidewalk cafe ordinance where we will allow people to you know set up temporary chairs, those types of things on the public sidewalks downtown uh, so that people can dine outdoors. But we needed to go a step further considering the restrictions being placed on indoor dining. So we actually drafted and adopted a new outdoor dining policy that allows for parklets. And we've seen a number of those go up over our downtown. Uh, we, we held a training seminar for small businesses and for the chamber. I think we had over 140 people on that Zoom call, that training. And so that has allowed businesses to be able to continue operations, specifically our small businesses downtown, everything from, you know, coffee shops all the way up to Italian restaurants. We've seen uh, take advantage of that program. Another thing we've done is kind of relaxed our sign regulations when it comes to temporary signage, which is allowed for along your major arterial and commercial corridors. Your, uh, your larger businesses, retail and restaurant establishments be able to put out signage that says we're open or drive through only to, to allow for some public education and then also to allow for them to be able to you know, continue bringing patrons into their facilities, whether through the drive through curbside pickup, all sorts of things. So it's kind of helped get the word out on that side of things. I will say when it comes to um, current development, um, when it comes to the number of projects we're seeing, we, we really haven't seen any slowdown. 2020 was one of our biggest, biggest years when it comes to planning projects we've ever had. We actually had a total of 365 planning projects come through the approval process last year. And that's large-scale developments, rezoning, subdivision plats, 
So we've seen a, a large amount of activity when it comes to growth in spite of the pandemic. Shelly, anything to add on that one? Uh, one other thing, now that we're getting to the point of having vaccines, the city has actually put it has put on, I believe, two or three now vaccine clinics, drive-through vaccine clinics through the fire department. Um, so now we're sort of on that back end trying to help protect our residents by offering these vaccine clinics. Yeah, sounds good. As your town is working to be, you know, financially resilient for the future, what steps have you as a government, as a community, as a whole, uh, what have you taken that you're most proud of? Um, you know, what do you feel is going to make the most lasting impact on the well-being in the future of your community? The city was really good about monitoring its budget during the pandemic. I would probably say about you know, six months in, uh, we started looking at where we could cut to make sure that we were going to um, end up in, in good standing by the end of the year. Um, and then also we reduced our budget, um, I believe, Tyler, correct me if I'm wrong, by about 10% for this year, when we were budgeting for this year, just to accommodate mm -hmm. um, any, any losses that we may experience. The losses were slight as far as tax revenue. Um, so it didn't really have uh, that big of an impact on at least the city's budget. Um, but we do work very closely with our Chamber of Commerce, our Visitor and Conventions Bureau, uh, Downtown Bentonville, Inc. We coordinated on our public safety campaign called um, Our Bentonville, Be Safe, Be Smart. I think that really pulled all of us together and helped us uh, promote a safer community. And then um, the other thing I think is going to be really interesting is we have gotten so much interest in the parklets that Tyler was talking about that we are now looking at ways that we can make that more permanent. Um, and so that's going to provide a little bit more seating for those restaurants downtown, but also it just adds to the vibrancy and the ambiance of our downtown area. Tyler, anything you want to throw in as well about, you know, what, how you feel your town is doing really well preparing for the future? Uh, one thing that Bentonville has in its court is that we do own our own water, sewer, and electric departments. So from a larger growth management standpoint, it allows us to take a more holistic view. So when we're looking at a subdivision plat, a large-scale development, even things like annexations, we're able to cross-reference those against our water, sewer, and electric service boundaries. And by doing that, it allows us to be able to see you know, as developments are coming online and as we start to grow outward, which is a natural circumstance, it allows us to see, you know, can we really maintain this infrastructure long term? And that's something that by having those other parties at the at having a seat at the table, it allows us to take that more holistic and really financial view because that, you know, we uh, on our, at least a, as a planning team may not always see that side of it where we're there always thinking about maintenance and the long-term impacts of today's decisions. Yeah. So building off of that, what are the areas that, that you most want your community to grow in, to improve on, to, to maybe even change in the coming months and years ahead? Shelly, let's start with you. Yeah, I can go ahead and take that. Um, there's really two things. Um, one is um, ensuring that we have the regulations in place so that uh, we can provide a greater variety of housing options in Bentonville. For years, we were pretty much just single family 
homes. And now in the last 10 years or so, we've managed to adjust our zoning regulations and also working with the development community to identify what those regulations need to be so that they can provide the type of housing that we need. Um, a lot of that does involve infill development in the downtown area. Um, and we feel like making those adjustments will help us at least through our regulations be able to do that type of development. Um, and we have a close relation, working relationship with the development community to help us identify what those need to be. And the other item topic that I think we are really starting to grow in is with our diversity, equity, and inclusion. The mayor has her Bentonville Together initiative. And we are working with, um, we have a large task force, we have advisory boards, we have internal committees employee resource groups, all working to look at um, ways that we can make sure that we are becoming a community that is welcoming and diverse. Um, in our application, we talked about our increasing diversity. We're really uh, anxious to see what that's going to be with the 2020 census when that data comes out, um, because it grew quite a bit between 2000 and 2010. So we expect it to be even larger, larger growth um, in our diversity. So because of that, this initiative really gives us an opportunity to work towards that inclusivity and um, really reaching out into the community to identify how we can be better and how we can improve. Tyler, I don't know if you have anything that you want to add on that. One interesting thing about our community plan is that it identifies three primary growth sectors. So you have our downtown intensification area, you have our infill area, and then you have our edge growth area. To Shelly's point, uh, talking about a mix of housing types, we're seeing a lot of that type of development in that downtown intensification area. And we're seeing a lot of master plan developments. We have um, a couple just off the top of our uh, of my head is City U, which is actually in an old uh, city utilities complex where they're providing a mixed use development that's gonna provide a, a variety of housing types and options, as well as some um, uh, some commercial uses along the, the main thoroughfares within proximity. But one thing that's really interesting to me and, you know, and when it comes to providing a variety of housing types, when it comes to sort of the more unique style of development is that infill growth area. It's about a mile or about half, uh, probably about a mile outside of that downtown intensification area. And it's the area that has the largest uh, potential for population growth within Bentonville. Our community plan estimates about 31,000 additional residents could feasibly live within that area based upon our future land use plan. And so it's, it's constantly looking at how we can amend our zoning districts to better line up with that vision set out in the community plan and the land use plan. And it's just as an example, uh, we usually go through one to two major um, zoning and land development code revisions annually, but then we're always, as issues come about or as things are brought to our attention, we're always kind of looking back and making sure that our, that our zoning code meets the needs of the community and also meets the vision set forth in, in our plans. So I want to continue this conversation kind of about housing development. This question comes from a Strong Towns member that wrote a commentary on Bentonville um, in the last phase of the contest, Norman. And he wants to know a little bit more about 
What strategies do you have in place to really think about the long-term costs of housing development, particularly like on the edge? Um, you mentioned, you know, new new subdivisions coming in. How do you really factor in the the maintenance costs and potential, you know, strain on the city budget that could come from those, you know, continued expansion outward? I kind of alluded to this earlier, but it's it's almost a, a natural circumstance of of having uh, our own electric and, and water sewer departments is that, you know, by having the, the water service boundary and the electric service boundary kind of function as natural growth boundaries for the city. And that our community plan when talking about development in those edge growth areas discourages uh, any new subdivision development outside of a quarter mile of existing city services. So what that does is it makes it where our our growth can really kind of be a a natural circumstance of the market itself so that we're not looking to do a subdivision half a mile outside of town, which then we have to bring water, sewer, streets to where it didn't exist before. Another uh, interesting thing about our development process is our offsite improvements. So a developer is is, uh, responsible for their proportionate share of offsite improvements. So if I have a development going in on a substandard street and I need to do a, a water, sewer, electric extension to it, uh, those, those upfront costs are put on the developer themselves. So they're responsible for their half street improvements. They're responsible to, to bring water, sewer, electric service to their subdivision. And what that does, it helps as that growth occurs, the, the, the largest expenses aren't placed on the city itself. And then, at, and then we're able to then uh, maintain that infrastructure over time and that our water service boundary and our electric service boundaries are set out looking at one, the other service providers within the area and two, what we can feasibly maintain based upon our city budget. So we're nearing the end of our conversation, but I want to ask, um, you know, in the spirit of friendly competition here, but also lifting up all these great communities that have been part of the contest. Um, I wonder if either of you have any, any comments or thoughts on your current uh, competitor in this round, uh, Oxford, Mississippi. I don't know if either of you have been there or have, have looked at their entries in the contest, but any thoughts on Oxford, either of you? Yeah, it's funny. I, I, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier by having Oxford, Mississippi against Bentonville, Arkansas. It's almost like you're getting a bit of a SEC rivalry in this competition. So you get Ole Miss against U of A uh, in this oh, matchup. Yeah. So it's, it makes for a, a little bit of a, an interesting uh, competition, but you know, I think from what I've heard about Oxford and from what I've read from their entries, it looks like a, a great community and, you know, a, a great competitor. When I was looking at the initial bracket, I, I honestly kind of thought it would be uh, Bentonville against Oxford when we got to this round. So. Gotcha. Very cool. Final question. I just thought the really interesting thing about your application was this mention of the fact that you are the mountain bike capital of the world. Like how did that come about? And are either of you mountain bikers? Like how, how does that play into the the culture of your city? Yeah. Shelly, do you want to jump in on that? I am not a mountain biker. Um, which um, I probably shouldn't say on the podcast, I have been mountain biking once um, and decided that it was not for me. But um, it is a very large part of the culture here. I would say probably about 10 years ago, 
we started getting a few mountain bike trails. I think one of the first uh, most expansive ones was Slaughter Pen Trail. Mm -hmm. They had several different trails within there and it has just exploded from there. And um, if you go out onto the mountain bike trails on any, any weekend, it could be it could be raining that uh, you'll find people that are out there that have traveled specifically to Bentonville to um, ride on the mountain bike trails. They are um, bicyclists, uh, mountain bicyclists are moving here. We've recently um, been interviewing for a few positions and we had people applying from across the country saying that they were trying to get into Bentonville because specifically because of the uh, mountain biking assets that we have. So, um, yeah, so it's, um, it's just, yeah, there's bike racks on every, pretty much every vehicle. If you look out in our parking lot right now, I'd probably say about 60% of them have bike racks. Um, It's just, it's a very large part of the culture, Mm -hmm. but um, it's had such a tremendous um, impact on the economy because it's, it's been a tourism draw, you know, with us being home to Walmart, we were primarily business travel. Mm-hmm. And now that we've got the mountain bikes, biking trails, crystal bridges, the momentary, the children's museum, the amazing, the museum of native American history, we are now becoming more of a tourism uh, mm-hmm. destination beyond just the business destination. Um, and so that has really improved our ability to draw people here for um, more than just Monday through Friday visits. Yeah. yeah. You, you asked us earlier, you know, what kind of what we're, what we're most looking forward to, I think on that point, it is the, our bicycle and pedestrian facilities. Uh, we recently passed a, a new bicycle and pedestrian master plan which looks forward to how we can create a more interconnected trail network. So throughout Northwest Arkansas, we have uh, what's called the uh, Northwest Arkansas Greenway. So the Greenway runs all the way from Fayetteville, Arkansas into Bella Vista, which is just north of of Bentonville. I mean, it's over 30 miles worth of a 12 foot wide shared use path that runs through, it runs through uh, Fayetteville, Springdale, Rogers, it runs through all in Northwest Arkansas. Well, myself, I'm, I'm not, uh, I've been mountain biking several times, but what I am is more of a trail runner. So I do, so the, the benefit to me of all this uh, mountain biking infrastructure is I can go out and run the trails. So I'm able to run, you know, curvy and, uh, you know, uh, uh, curvy trails with varying elevations, which are built for mountain bikes but I'm able to do it uh, in my trail runners, which is uh, just a, a whole lot of fun. And, and to Shelly's previous point, I do like that we're becoming a, almost like a mountain biking tourist destination. We had a, a recent development. I say recent, it was about probably a year and a half, two years ago now, of mm-hmm. a bicycle rental company that was operating out of a, a food trailer, a, a shipping container actually, right next to the entrance to uh, Compton Gardens, which is sort of the main uh, trail that'll lead you down to uh, Crystal Bridges, that has blown up to the point that now they're looking for physical locations. They're looking to expand to other locations within Northwest Arkansas. So it's just small things like that that you're seeing small businesses that may just be getting in the door who are now able to expand and grow organically. And you know, it's it's just great to see to see that amount of local commerce occurring around mountain biking. Yeah, very cool. 
Well, Tyler Overstreet and Shelly Kerr, thank you for uh, being on this show. For our listeners, you can learn more about this contest and vote in this matchup by visiting strongtowns.org slash strongest town. And um, good luck to you both uh, for, for Bentonville in this part of the contest. Um, super impressed by how far you've gone. And um, it's been wonderful to get to meet you and, and hear about your community. So thank you. You too. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you today. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.